You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera and everything in between, if you have a piece of hunting gear or a piece of hunting equipment that needs a battery, Interstate Batteries has got you covered. You can go to a local retail store. Or you can go visit online at interstatebatteries.com. They have thousands of local retail shops all over the U.S., so you can go there as well. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Hey guys, welcome to Land and Legacy Podcast. This is your host, Adam Keith. We're co-owners of a consulting company called, go figure, Land and Legacy. This is your number one podcast resource for all things land. Each week, we're breaking down topics from land management, habitat management, conservation, farming practices, and real estate. We hope you guys enjoy it. Hey guys, welcome back. Another Land Legacy podcast. Uh, We're somewhere in the, somewhere around 175, I believe on total podcast um as you probably figured out by now matt and i aren't afraid to try new things uh when it comes to podcasting and so we've done long-winded with land and legacy we've done a bunch of different things but overall we've recorded about 175 podcasts and um as we've grown our business this whole podcast started out as a way to educate share information um, and try to help you guys cipher through a lot of the fads and techniques that may not be the best practices for the land and the animals and plants that live there. And so over time, um, different roles have came about, different responsibilities and different things um, that have pulled Matt and I in different directions. And uh, we've had to look for ways to continue to expand continue to grow and also um, still provide the service of education and uh, through that process we've restored and built upon a relationship with Kyle Hedges and Frank Lone Carriage um, both biologists that typically work in birds upland birds um, but they have a background in different things and really where their background is is where Matt and I um, don't have a lot of experience and instead of us trying to pose and tell you guys it's best we our our mindset has always been find the guys that we can align with and so these guys they're consulting for us with land and legacy so they're just as much a part of it as we are Um, they just weren't there at the beginning and uh 
So with their consulting and their expertise, uh, we kind of have tried to broaden our reach of, of what we can offer to you, the landowner, whether it be fisheries or upland bird or um, native landscape restoration or whitetail deer, whatever it is, we can help you with it. And so because of that, um, we're going to, it gives Matt and I the opportunity to step away some weeks from the podcast. If you want to hear us ramble on this week, go over to the other podcast. We do two of them a week, but since we do two of them, this is a great opportunity where we can ha- uh, we can hand them the mics and say, here you go. And that's exactly what happened on this podcast. They took the mics, took the GoPro, and they are headed to Wyoming, and um, they're chasing sage grouse, blue grouse, um, and uh, any other cool stories they can find on their travels. So this week on this podcast right here, you're going to hear a update and some great information from Frank and Kyle as they chase birds and look at the landscape of Wyoming. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. Don't worry. Um, we're going to jump back, and, and you're going to be hearing probably from both of them as well as a combination of Matt and I. So we've got some consults lined up, a bunch of consults lined up, but this next week you're probably going to hear uh, a podcast with Kyle and I and then a podcast with Frank and Matt. Um Kyle and I go to a consult in Iowa, and Frank and Matt go on a consult in Oklahoma. So um, hopefully you guys can start becoming aware of who these guys are uh, and what they bring to Land and Legacy. So here's a little bit of a taste without Matt and I interrupting. So hopefully you guys enjoy. Kyle Hedges with you here today. And Frank Longkerich doing a little something different uh, we're bringing to you uh, the Land and Legacy podcast. Uh, Kyle and I are doing that today. Matt and, and Adam have trusted us to put together a podcast on upland bird hunting, the trip we've made. So uh, we're doing that after a, a really successful Wyoming bird hunt. Yep, we're on our way back. Had a, had a good three days in Wyoming, and we're heading back to Missouri. And we're going to tell you a little bit about how we came up with this hunt and kind of how we figured out where to hunt and and uh, how we scouted um give you a little intel on uh, strategies to find sage grouse and blue grouse and and then talk about our hunt our success and our failures and a little bit of everything so stay tuned here and we're coming at you with a lot of information hopefully so frank why don't you start out how did we kind of come up with this thing yeah so i know that um sage grouse had been a bird that you in particular had wanted to harvest for a very long time i was able to go to montana in 2006 and hunt sage grouse and so i was able to harvest sage grouse uh, a few years ago and and uh, had a great hunt a very great bird I, I grew up for some reason wanting to hunt sage grouse i was always enamored with the west sage grouse pronghorn and I was able to knock it, you know, to, to get that get, get that hunt done and, and check that off the list. And I know you wanted to do it. And um, we had a friend, uh, a buddy that works with us. And um, I think you talked to him about a hunt that he did in eastern Wyoming, sage grouse and blue grouse. So it was just an opportunity, I think, for us to, uh, to go closer to home than Montana. And, and we had really good information on, on how to get it done. 
Yeah, talking to him, you know, one of those deals you just get lucky. You get to talking about hunting with somebody at a meeting at work, and one thing leads to another, and he had some pretty good intel, and they had a really good hunt out, out in eastern Wyoming and saved us probably a good eight or ten hours of driving. Oh, yeah, yeah. To kill the same bird, and I, I'd never harvested one, like Frank said, so I was pretty excited to have the opportunity, and Frank was willing to go as well. Uh, even though he'd already harvested them. Um, the other draw for both of us was if we were successful with the sage grouse, there's blue grouse in eastern Wyoming. So neither of us had ever killed a blue grouse. Now they're known as dusky grouse. So we both were kind of excited about the opportunity to to put another bird on our list of, of hunted and harvested birds. Yeah, this was this was an exciting opportunity in my mind because uh, you know dusky grouse blue grouse are a forest grouse species that um, you know are, are in the mountains um, something that you most people just don't go target specifically because they, they live in pretty rugged environments um, but to be able to to have them within a few miles of the sage grouse in fact we flushed a mixed group of of sage grouse that had that had blue grouse with us so that was kind of a, a neat experience so they're, they're they're close together and and that was a big draw for me. I mean, I would have went out just for sage grouse anyway because it's a, you know, it was a great, it's a great experience when I went out in Montana. So I was I was itching to do it again. So. So let's talk a little bit about you know what's the draw for a lot of people, upland bird hunters. The sage grouse is kind of a, you know, a life list bird. A lot of upland folks want to, to check that one off the list. It's. I guess for me, it, it, um, it's just in such an unbelievable environment, just giant expanses of, of openness uh, that you can't hardly fathom if you're from anywhere, you know, east of Colorado or eastern Kansas and, and further. It's, it's just amazing that the landscape they live in. But also, um, why don't you tell the folks a little bit about the status and why it's such a big deal uh, yeah. to pursue sage grouse? Right. So sage grouse are a, kind of the iconic bird of the West. They they live in this shrub step landscape out west. They live in and I think about eleven states, and uh, they once had a had a much wider range within these eleven states and had a had a much greater population. But as with a lot of upland game bird species, um, most in fact upland gaybird species their populations have declined due to habitat loss and they've declined dramatically in some states some states have populations of, of sage grouse where they're not where they're not huntable north dakota is is one of those they have a small population of sage grouse but but you can't hunt them so um it, it's a it's a bird that that has has suffered some some, some range-wide declines in population and habitat and that's because a lot of sage has been lost and converted to farm ground. Much of, much like the tall grass prairie and the mid-grass prairie um, further east, it was converted to farm ground. A lot of the this, this shrub step sage land has been converted to farm ground, dry land, wheat, and, and such. A lot of it has been lost to fire. So fire suppression over the years has led to these dramatic landscape-altering fires that devastate sage sage is a is a shrub but it's a low growing shrub or it's a it's a slow growing shrub excuse me and it once it gets burned with a really hot devastating fire it takes decades to, to come back a slow cool fire doesn't really affect sage too much but a, but a really 
landscape-altering hot fire will, will really knock sage out. And then you get invasive cheatgrass that comes in, and grouse, or sage grouse don't do well there. So, so there's a lot of factors that have reduced the sage grouse population in the West, and it's a bird that, in fact, has, has gained so much attention that the uh, Fish and Wildlife Service was petitioned to list it on the threatened and endangered species list. So they went through that process, and the, the Western states banded together they created a large sage-grouse plan. A group of states got together and, and did a, 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 a sage-grouse conservation plan. It, it was, it's a really great idea. It's, it's a collaborative idea. And because of this plan and because of the, the scope of, of what the, the states were going to do to, to enhance sage-grouse protections, the Fish and Wildlife Service did not list the bird as threatened or endangered. So it's, it's not listed, but they review that every five years. And so if something changes they could potentially review that. So that's sort of the conservation and habitat status of the sage grouse. So it's a bird that, that was once widespread and, and very abundant, but has declined. That said, though, there are still an estimated 500,000 sage grouse in the United States, and Wyoming has the highest population in the world. Yeah, and so <clears throat> we went to uh, kind of southeast of Casper to pursue these birds. Um, there's other places in the state to do it, but that's where our buddy from work had been. Um, so that was our first intel. And like any trip, you know, you don't, even if it's locally, you scout animals, you, you spend some time um, trying to figure it out. And if we're going to go on a trip like this, this is, oh, 12, how do we drive? 12, 14 hours. Yeah, yeah it was, yeah, it was all, every bit of that. Yeah. You know, a person really needs to, to try to figure out uh, ahead of time, is this worth going? So, so we did our our scouting. We did our um, reconnaissance. So, not only did we talk to our buddy from work, he he'd been out here five or six years ago. So, it wasn't a real recent trip. So, you know, upland birds populations can change pretty quick. In some of them, uh, the sage grouse are longer lived species than quail or something. But so. Um, the next step was to call the local biologist, Casper, yeah. Wyoming. Yeah, so, so what I did is I, as I called the biologist out there at the Casper office, which is the area that we were going to hunt, and I visited with her. And I recommend that any traveling upland game bird hunter does this. Kyle and I, being biologists, we field these calls annually from folks that want to come to Missouri and quail hunt, and we're happy to talk about the population status. We're happy to talk, talk about good places to hunt. We want to... We want people to be successful in hunting the birds that we manage. And she was no different. She, she was a, a great resource. She gave us excellent intel. She, she gave road names and locations to try um, without being super specific. I mean, she didn't give us coordinates and a spot on a map, which um, we didn't expect, and which I'm kind of glad. That's part of the pursuit is, is you know, going out there and, and, and looking for them. So, but she was great. So that was some of the, quote, scouting we did. And we did a lot of aerial scouting, to be honest. We used uh, aerial photos of the landscape to scout, to look for, the, look for the habitat components that our buddy and the biologist out there told us to look for. They, they said to look for specific components, and Kyle will touch on those in a minute. But we, we, could, we could view those from a map, really drill down and figure that out. And then once we got out there, we relied on our Onyx app, which was outstanding for our trip. I don't think we could have 
we could have pulled the trip off without it, but we could have we would have spent a lot more time reading paper maps. We would have spent a lot more time knowing, not knowing where we were at in terms of public and private, because while there was a lot of public land where we were at, there was a fair amount of public land that was intermixed, and that Onyx app was perfect for being able to pinpoint exactly where we were, pinpoint the roads that we could and couldn't drive, and pinpoint the landowners. So that's how we we did our scouting, quote scouting from. Uh, 800 miles away, essentially. Yeah, if you've never been out west, if you've never been to Wyoming, Montana, any of these states, whether it's antelope hunting, mule deer hunting, sage grouse hunting, this Onyx map deal is a game changer. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. unbelievable. Absolutely. So I'm old school, right? I'm yeah. I'm the old guy in the group, so I've got paper maps, right? Sure. I sent yeah. off for BLM paper yeah. maps yeah, and you spend, spend 20 bucks on them. And I've been out here a couple times um antelope hunting and, and got it done with those but if you've never been out west there's not fences on a lot of property no, lines no, there's no, no. no you have no idea when you cross from blm ground to state ground to private land for service to forest service you have no idea and there's nope. roads there's two tracks some of them um are open to public traffic once in a while you're going through gates you don't know if you're going through a private landowner's gate or a blm gate i mean it's it would be difficult to do without on x maps Uh, i highly recommend i mean it was unbelievable yeah it was it was a great resource i'd never used onyx before this trip uh downloaded it was super easy to download and it worked like a charm we were we were way out of cell service and and this, this app worked flawlessly. It, it showed us where we were at. We could put waypoints of grouse that we flushed, grouse that we saw, potential places that we wanted to hunt. Um, it, was, it was great. Um, so highly recommend Onyx Maps for anybody, not just going out west, but, but anybody. So that's kind of how we, we, we started our trip, did our scouting, and once we got out there, that's kind of how we, we got rolling. So... The fun part, for me, one of the fun parts is the scouting. I enjoy talking to the biologist. I enjoy looking at maps. But the real fun part is the anticipation when we finally left Laramie and we drove and we drove towards Casper and we got up on this big plateau where we were going to start hunting and we knew that, hey, we were in sage-grouse country. This is it. Let's get rolling. Oh, absolutely. Yep. <clears throat> we stayed at Laramie. Um that's a that's another story we need to share real quick so you know we thought hey we're both we're both old enough our days of sleeping on the ground or whatever yeah. we're more than happy to get a motel room right i mean we'll hunt all day don't get me wrong we're diehard at this but but we'll gladly spend a few extra bucks to get a motel but uh, so looking at the map we're only going to be hunting like less than 60 miles from yeah, Casper. 46 miles from Casper yeah so we're thinking, well, we'll just stay in Casper the whole time. This is no big deal. You know, we'll get a cheap motel yeah. somewhere. It's no big deal. Well, again, it's important to talk to people because yep. it turns out that it's only 40-some miles, but half of that is two tracks. Yeah. It's yeah. public roads. I mean, it's it's county roads, but it's two-track. Two-track. Goes S- through a lot of open range. So it's an hour and a half, hour and 45 yep. minutes it was an hour town. and 45 minutes from our hunting spot to Casper. So 46 miles. So we kind of refigured and decided, well, on the way out, we're going to stay in Laramie. 
and that way we'll have about a two-hour drive. We'll get up in the dark and, and drive and be there, you know, kind of at dawn to start our first day. But it also caused us to bring a tent and some cots and kind of change the plan, you know. We, we did motel a, a night in Casper, but we slept out on the prairie uh, yeah. a little bit too, which, which is fun. It's kind of neat. It kind of added to the... Oh, to yeah. the whole trip, but yeah, uh, it it added to the experience absolutely. If we hadn't done our, you know, recon on this deal and just rolled out there, we would have wasted a lot of gas and a lot uh, of hunting time yeah. driving back and forth. Yeah, yeah, from Casper. So yeah, uh, yeah that was yeah. where that that long range scouting, talking to people that have been there. We talked to our buddy, and he's like, uh, you probably don't want to stay in Casper. Yeah. You better bring a tent. And, and so that's another one of those deals. If you've never been out west, everything's bigger and everything's further away yes, than if you're yes. from the east. There's no gas stations yeah, between. Right. You might want to bring a gas can. We didn't have any issue, but we we would have we had we were going to have to go to town. Yeah. By day what the end of day two. Yeah. Which day. we were going to town anyway to spend the night, but. We wouldn't have had an option. We didn't have enough gas, and the nearest gas station was an hour and a half away. Right. So, yep. your guy needs to consider some of this when you're going to unknown places, and <laughs> especially out west. Everything's just further and bigger than you think. Yep. And cell service is an is is an issue. Uh, you don't have cell service, so you got to prepare your family for that. You got to be prepared to not have cell service in a lot of places, um, which. You know, if, if you're prepared for it before you go, it's not a big deal. So, Kyle, let's talk about these birds. Let's talk about how we hunted them. What did we do on our first day? How did we, how did we attack this in a, in, a, in a landscape where everywhere you looked was usable sage-grouse space? We talk about usable space for quail. Well, for all upland game birds, usable space is the key. So, we were in tens of thousands of acres of usable space. Everywhere we looked, how did we go about narrowing that down to figure out where we should start hunting? Yep, we were really lucky on this part. So, again, we had good intel. Um, our buddy, uh, it's intimidating. You get out here, and our buddy had prepared us. He said, look, you can find some birds out in wide open sage. There, right. There's birds out there. There's birds scattered across this. But we are talking hundreds of square miles. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just can't fathom it if you've never seen this. Um, but there's these drainages. There's some just lower depressions and some dry creek beds through all of this. There's plateaus, and then there's coming off the plateau, there's, they call them seeps out here. But they're just drainages. Mm -hmm. And that's the key. So these birds, it turns out, um, like most um, prairie grouse species, uh, they can be argued to be a, a shrub grouse species, shrub right? Step, yeah. Shrub step, But anyway, this time of year, it's late September. They're eating a lot of, of grasshoppers still, mm -hmm. but they also are looking for greens. Um, they're looking for those greens because they don't have a, a fully developed gizzard, and we can get into that later, yeah. what, what they eat the rest of the year, but why they're, why they're called sage grouse. But anyway... These seeps, you know, it's arid country out here. I don't yes. know what the average rainfall, but I'm guessing it's 15 it's inches or be, lower. And that's got to be mo a lot of it snow, probably. Right. But so. just precipitation has got to be like 12, 15 right. inches, probably. So, so very arid environment. 
but these seeps just have a have just enough more moisture. There's some green plants out yep. there, and and we shot some video of that. Hopefully, you guys get to see some of those videos. But uh, there's Land and Legacy. We're always talking about diversity. Matt, Absolutely. Adam, Frank, and I diversity. Well, guess what? When you get into these seeps, all of a sudden there's more forbs. Um, there's just all these extra plants. Yep. And so this these seeps are the key so we we roll in i mean it's so dark 30 where it's starting to get light and there's antelope everywhere mm -hmm. it's exciting to be out here yeah there's elk yeah. off in some of these areas in the distance yep. just in the high plains and and we pull up onto this giant plateau and we've got our buddies directions of where we ought to be and this biologist and yeah and we pull down and we we find this nice seep it's got some green grass some kind of cord grass looking mm -hmm. stuff in yep. it and different species and i mean we don't know but here we go and and yeah. we make a little swing i don't know an hour walk and yeah, yeah. and and saw some droppings yep and some fresh uh, tracks and droppings so there was birds around yep. you know there was birds around and we just didn't happen to, to move any i think we walked 2.85 miles according to onyx on that loop and and to get back to, to the greens a little bit, um, that's one of the real keys on sage-grouse conservation is these riparian areas. They're, they're not riparian areas that we think about, you know, further east, but, but they are these, these drainages and these seeps, and they are, they are absolutely critical for brood production and survival. The broods must have insects. It's critical, and they must have these greens. And so these, these green areas, these, these, these wet areas are crucial for sage grouse conservation. So there's some groups out west that are working on uh, improving these riparian areas or these these, these seeps for, for sage grouse because it is such a crucial part of their life history. So we, we kind of found these areas. We hunted one, 2.85 miles. Didn't seem like it, but it was. Um, and then we didn't do any good. So instead of striking out across the landscape, Look at our Onyx map, say, okay, here's another area that meets this description, at least on an aerial photo. Let's hop over there. Yep. Right. right. Yeah. So, yeah, we just look at the Onyx and, well, there's four seeps in a row. I say, hey, this is going to be perfect. We're going to go one on either side. So I guess our understanding, you know, was, again, we've never been, we've never hunted these birds here right. in eastern Wyoming. Frank's hunted them in Montana. I've never hunted them in my life. So... All right, we'll get on either side of the seeps. We got three dogs running around, and you know we're probably only we're within shooting distance of these seeps, so we're hunting thirty yards off either side. Yeah, and yeah. We've got four seeps on the map. Hey, we're going to go down one, up the next one, down one. You know, this will this will be another two or three hour mm -hmm. swing here. And <clears throat> weather was good, by the way. I mean, we it wasn't too hot. No, um, it wasn't. It was probably upper 60s yep. wind wasn't nuts it was yep so i mean it was windy it's the west but we're, we're going to talk about some of that not so good weather here later in yeah. this podcast yeah, yeah. but uh but anyway uh so the dogs aren't going to wear out too bad you know and and it's still in the morning so second seep we take we're on either side and rolling along and a, a bird just pops up in front of me. No dog work on it. Just happened, you know, the dog juked right when he should have juked left or whatever. Things happen. And yep. Up pops a bird. Wham, bam, I've got my first sage grouse. And we're celebrating. And Yeah. I tell you what, one thing I've learned about hunting these birds is they don't see a lot of people. Yeah. That's so, right. So that's we're, right. 
we're down there high-fiving, you know, and Frank's killed him a few years ago, but I, this is my first one. Yeah, so he's we're looking at it. We're checking yeah. it out, and he's congratulating me, and he's showing me how we can tell if it's a, a hen or a, you know, of course, yeah. the, the males are, are giant, but uh, a juvie versus an adult and all that stuff, and we're kind of geeking out like we do because we're yeah. biologists, right? right? And, and we look up, and... Holy cow, there's two more of them. Yeah, yeah, they, they were headed up the hill, walking up the hill out of the seep, and we just looked at each other and thought, all right, well, game on. So, he, it, and, and kind of an aside here, we're upland bird hunters. We've, I've, upland, I've hunted birds for 30 years. You've hunted birds 35 probably. Yep. Yep. So we've done it our whole lives. Um, we're passionate about it. We're not purist in the sense of you have to have pristine dog work that points the birds. You're only going to shoot pointed birds. Some people choose to do that, and that's fine. If they want to do that, more power to them, um, and that's great. We don't partic- I mean, we, we don't do that, and, and, that's, and that's fine too. So we, we see these grouse heading up the hill, and so we go in their direction, right? And they yep. flush. Right. Yep. We flush and bam, bam. We get a double. We shoot a double. So three, three shots fired. We got three grouse. Yeah. So Kyle's got his limit. Yep. And and so now it's just I don't. I've got one bird left, and so we head back up to the truck, and we decide that we're going to go walk another couple of seeps to tr- to try to fill my limit, and we did, and and it worked out well because we found some birds, and I was able to to, to get my my uh, my second bird but it really keyed us in on where to hunt the next couple of days because we knew we had birds in this long seep somewhere i was able to get my bird and then it, it really set the tone for the next couple of days oh yeah in <laughs> fact when when frank killed his his second bird for the day you know your limit's only two so um there was three or four other three three other birds with that yeah they yeah and so, you know, we start doing the math, and we knew we saw two were juvies, so they're probably going to hang around here, be somewhere close tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, he shot an adult hen, and another adult hen got away with, with two juvies because we were done with our limit. But anyway, it opened our eyes to, hey, we probably got to hunt here. Yeah. You know, here's another spot we can hunt. We already yeah. know we've got birds. So, so anyway, it was... It, <clears throat> keyed us in on the next spot and the next day yeah um so and we can talk more about that here in a second day two day three kind of how things played out but the second part of this trip is blue grouse yeah. and dusky grouse uh, well that's what they're called now audubon's calls them dusky grouse instead of blue grouse but, yeah so uh, so you'll hear some you'll hear some consternation in our voices um as we talk about this adventure here. yeah so uh we you know coming out here blind i'm not totally blind we had really good intel in fact but still never laying eyes on this landscape you don't know and uh, our buddy had uh they struggled a little bit on sage grouse and then got a hold of the biologist i don't think they did all their homework before they got out here and maybe kind of did it in backwards order yeah. but but whatever they finally got it figured out. And he said, hey, once you figure out these sage grouse, again, they haven't seen a lot of humans. It, it, and you can only kill two. Yeah. And, and so once you figure it out and key in on what the landscape or, or, or the habitat they're using, 
they don't travel a lot. It's not like they pack up and head across land because they don't need to. They have all the resources they need there. Right. So you, right. it really, it really narrows your search image down. Well, and bear in mind, we're in the state that has the largest population, remaining population. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're in a really good spot. Yeah, we were hunting in, a, in an area that, that, that had thousands of sage grouse w- within the, the landscape. Yeah, Easy. so, I mean, you can kill them other places, but we are in, we're on the X, right? I mean, yep. we're, we're hunting them in good. So, part of that is, Hey, if you're really, so, so we're up here the first day. If you're really successful any of these days, what are you going to do the rest mm-hmm. of the day? No, I don't want to sit around and have to stare at Frank all day. No, that's, no, 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 no. Nobody wants <laughs> to have to do no, that. No, 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 that's, that's absolutely terrible. Right. So, you know, the, our buddies said, hey, we got, we, we chased these blue grouse. Now, again, this is five or six years ago, but so we're fortunate enough. We've killed our two sage grouse apiece by noon the first day. Yep. You know, we've rolled into this, never seen this landscape. I don't know how many antelope we saw. Oh. It's just ridiculous. It was opening, I guess it was the second day of yep. antelope season for the unit we're in. And shockingly, we're going to have to check into that. Yeah, and, that, uh, yeah. I've done it twice. Frank's never done the antelope. I'm getting sidetracked here. Yeah. I'm going, as Adam would say, I'm going down a rabbit trail. Yeah. He, he likes to do that. But Yeah, my, my son, Caleb, wants to shoot an antelope, wants to go antelope hunting, so, yeah. Oh, my gosh, this unit was filthy with antelope. But anyway, that just adds to the experience, you know. we. Oh, my gosh, there's just antelope around every turn and really not that many hunters. So it, Yeah, I was surprised. I got to assume this is one of those that, units that take several preference yeah. points. But anyway, so we've got our sage grouse killed, high fiving's done. We've taken some pictures. I think we even took a little video that hopefully Adam or Matt puts on Facebook or something. Us two old guys, we don't even have Facebook. So, nope. so all right, now, you know game on we're gonna go kill these blue grouse and yeah our buddy um says the first day they went after blue grouse they never saw one mm-hmm. but they were hunting too high of elevation and then once they got it figured out same kind of deal once they got dialed in it was game on yeah so let let me stop you here quick yep. you mentioned high elevation yeah so let's talk quickly about blue grouse yes so, absolutely. so blue grouse are are a little different uh, when you think about migrating up and down a mountain, you think in the summertime, big game animals migrate up a mountain to the cool environments, and in the winter they, they migrate down. So blue grouse or dusky grouse do the opposite. So the females, they migrate down from the mountain in the springtime, and they nest at the, the edge of the, the forest and sage and grassland. So these these intermountain bowls of sage or or the the bottom of the where the forest meets the sage landscape down down off the mountains that's where these that's where these females nest because the resources are so good there's tons of greens tons of insects tons of seeds perfect places to to raise a brood the males stay up there right they don't after they after the the females get bred and move down the mountain to nest the males kind of stay up in the forest now, as winter approaches, the reverse happens. These blue grouse start to move up in elevation, and as they do, they change almost entirely to a diet of green, or excuse me, of, of spruce and fir needles. So they, they feed on fir and spruce needles all winter. So they have a reverse migration. So if you're hunting them high this time of year in late September, probably not going to find many. 
so you need to go low. Yeah, really interesting and different kind of behavior, right? We yeah. don't we don't hear that much of anything with with any kind of game, really, kind of a complete opposite of what you would think. So, um, so we had a little bit of intel, not as good as intel. Yeah, right. we, we were told, you know, hunt the asp right at the seam where sagebrush turns into start at the base of the mountains. So, yep. so there's some mountains actually, surprisingly. Yeah, uh, it's called the Laramie Hills. Oh yeah, Laramie I've, I've been arguing they're rugged hills. They're not really mountains, right. but. By day but two, he was saying they're mountains. Day two, we got into a place. Oh, my gosh. I'm, my blisters on my feet prove that they're mountains. But anyway, um, off we go. So it's day one. We're going to try to find some of these blue grouse. We've got a search image in our mind. Again, Frank's talked to the biologist. We've talked to our work buddy. We've got this search image. Both of them have confirmed the same information. Yep. So we're thinking, oh, yeah. You know, now we're cocky, right? Yeah. We, we've killed for sage grouse before noon we've got this all figured yeah, out it's good as over and sage grouse by the way um you know you're gonna have to work at them to to get them to be much for table fare um yeah they, i mean they eat a lot of say i mean yeah they're pretty stout but these blue grouse this is white me i mean this yeah, is like this is like a uh, a bob white quail like times four yeah so we're pretty jazzed up and your limit's three of these so we're yeah. gonna go we're gonna be here three days we're going home with nine yeah. blue grouse a piece and oh my gosh yeah. they're gonna be good he's already promised his grandpa yep, he's gonna grandpa on the way out he's gonna smoke one for him it's gonna be so good oh yeah so we got big plans so off we go to the base of the mountains and, uh, well, our first problem is there's a transition of sage into pine and conifer, you know, different conifers. But we're struggling to even find much for these aspen right. stringers that we're told to look. We're, we're supposed to be seeing these aspen stringers. Well, now, Frank and I, a, few, a couple, three years ago, went to rough grouse hunting in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yep. So so we kind of know the we've got this this picture in our head right and we know blue grouse are a little different but so we kind of got an idea of what we're looking we're for we're thinking plus, young fours young yep, aspen right yep so off we go and we're struggling to find it and we're driving up crappy roads and beating up the truck <laughs> no, it's, and, yeah and uh, anyway we we i guess we stopped to eat lunch yeah, we stopped to eat lunch, and an elk hunter's coming down the road. And yeah, so we've got antelope season open, elk hunt yep. season's open. There's all kinds of stuff going on out here. The West is an amazing place. But so we talked to this elk hunter, and we get pretty jazzed up. He's telling oh, yeah. us some information, but the problem is he's telling us about you got to go miles and miles up this clear on up to the top of the mountain, which does not fit the pattern. Late September, they're supposed to be at the base of the mountain, right? They're not supposed to be at the top of yeah. the mountain. Well, a little extra intel on, we, it turns out, I, we decided he's a pathological liar yes, by the time was, we get he done He was with an this. exaggerator, but yeah, 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 so that kind of... Uh, he, he told us a lot of things that didn't add up. Uh, he told us about rough grouse being up there. Well, they don't even have rough grouse in this part of the state. Yeah. He told us about a lot of different information that just didn't add up. So anyway, we kind of take his advice with a grain of salt. We still don't really know what we're doing. So we try walking a spot. 
part way up this mountain, hill, whatever you want to call it, probably the worst thing could have happened, a grouse flushes. Yep, grouse flushes. And dang, if it flies right over my head and I don't kill the you stupid miss it. thing. You I miss shoot it. twice. You miss it. I'm yeah. still not happy. I'll be mad about this yeah. 20 years later because as this podcast continues, you're going to find out that uh, I really needed to kill that that blue grouse because we didn't get a whole lot of opportunities. But uh, anyway, so I whiff. Yep. So off we go. Now we're going to go on up. We're going to try to check out this elk hunter story run into some other elk yep, hunters. Yep, we run into some elk hunters from, from Wisconsin, and we talk to them, and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, we saw this guy. We know where he's at, but he's way up the mountain. Uh, we've been camped here for a couple days. They'd already harvested two elk, really nice. They had, they had been camping in different spots of the forest, um, kind of trying to find out. They said, we've been here two days and have maybe seen a grouse. I'm like, ugh. But then they say, but down the mountain, up this one creek, where we were there a few days ago, we stepped into a pretty good pile of them. And, it, and his buddy said, yeah, I saw some there, too, and I took a different spur. And they showed us on the Onyx. They were running Onyx, too. They said, look, take this draw. And so we had eyewitness intel of blue grouse in this draw. They didn't say when they saw them. They'd been there for, I don't know, 16 days or something. So they didn't say, hey, we saw them day two and whatever. But so we headed back down the mountain, past some really good-looking stuff that we decided not to hunt because we had this really this spot like, hey, there's blue grouse here. Let's go. So we finally wind our way back in there and get there. Well, as we get there, it's like uh, we're starting to see bird dog tracks oh wait a minute then they talked about that they saw some hunters from kansas kind of in that same area and we saw them leaving when we were hunting our first day so long story short we go hunt this draw that they put the x on the map climbed up this rug across this creek um it's called deer creek crossed it went up this draw way up this mountain back down no blue grouse. Didn't flush it one. Really scenic. In fact, oh, it was beautiful. Took, took some, some great pictures. pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful area. Yeah. No blue grouse. Nope. <laughs> so, so uh, now. And by this time, it's time to head back and make camp, right? Because yes. we we haven't put up our tent yet. We haven't done any of that. So it it was right. it was getting towards dark. So we thought, well, fluke deal. Elk hunters are seeing them. We have good intel. Game on tomorrow. We're going to get our grouse, our sage grouse, figured out. After we do that, we're going to go back, and we're going to find more blue grouse. Yeah, yeah we're, we're not quite as cocky about this no, whole no, deal no. now, but no. we're still thinking the blue grouse are going to get it tomorrow. Yep. Like, we're, I mean, come on. Elk hunters are stepping right into them. We've yeah. got dogs. so We're yep. lifelong, you know, combined 60 some years of upland bird hunting experience we're both wildlife biologists by golly blue grouse are going to get it tomorrow yeah we're going to figure this out it's just a matter of time so yep we go set up camp um conveniently you know it's it's wyoming right so we're setting up camp, and the wind's blowing yep. about 30 miles yep. an hour. There's so a cold front coming in. It's a nice night to camp and sleep in a tent. And, um, I'm old enough that I can sleep on the ground when I have to. I do it when I go out and fight fire out west sometimes. Yep. But uh, 
when I'm being a hero, saving yep. lives, right? Right, right. <laughs> saving babies, saving homes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, we we had it pretty cush. I mean, we had cots. Oh we, yeah, yeah. We, Growing up, I slept on the ground or a sleeping bag. Um, never a cot. So this was pretty good. And my bird dog Stella, she got she claimed the cot first thing. We got them set up. <laughs> yeah. We let her out to do her thing and, and eat, and I thought, well, I'll just let her hang out around camp a while. She's not going to run off. Next thing I know, she's claiming the cot. She's up there, and being a softie, I just can't throw her <laughs> off the cot. I mean, she had big eyes looking at me like, this is, I'm settled here, so. Yeah, yeah. Go figure. Female dogs. So, I've got two male dogs on this trip. I've got my own short hair and my dad's short hair, and uh, yeah, they got to sleep in the dog box, yep. but. But little princess yeah. gets to sleep at the yeah. the foot of his bed. Princess so. Stella and yeah, yeah. It was a long night. I didn't have much leg room. I'll tell you that. But <laughs> at least she slept well. So uh, yeah, hey. Part of this is you know you gotta you gotta consider we'd already planned on what if we kill limits of sage grouse. You need to know all the laws and all the rules, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So most states and most species, your possession limit will be triple the bag limit. Yeah. So blue grouse. Your limit's three. We're going to be here three days. We could go home with nine grouse. The possession limit's nine. But with sage grouse, because they're a little more concerned with the population, they don't want people staying out here for four or five days and, and killing limits. So the limit's two, but the possession limit's only four. Right. So it's kind of a game changer, and we knew that coming into it. So, you know, night one of camp, guess what? We had sage grouse fajitas. Sage grouse fajitas. Kyle, Mr. Uh, um, prepared, oh, sh- always yeah. prepared. He had brought everything you need for fajitas, from the jalap- from the banana pepper to the onions to the fajita mix, tortillas, cheese. Look, I didn't need to bring anything except myself, right? Yeah. And yeah. harvest some sage grouse, and so we had fajitas, sage grouse fajitas, marinate them, cut them up, cut them on the grill. We brought us a little little cooker, and we made sage grouse fajitas in the camp night. Good. I mean. Yep. Well, yep. I've learned over the years not to count on you for much. So yeah. anyway, I just bring yeah. everything yeah. anyway. Planned it. We would have. Yeah, we would have had peanut butter and jelly, <laughs> and and grilled sage grouse. No, no, but it it was important because, you know, we don't know if we're going to kill. We're going to be there three days, so potentially we could end up with six sage grouse apiece. So we don't know if that's going to happen or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but after killing them by noon the first day, there's a good chance we're getting dialed in. It yes. could go downhill. We don't know. Yep. But we don't want to get, if we don't eat them, um, and then the next day we kill them, now we're going to have to eat something. Yeah. You need we're to done. be prepared. It doesn't matter where you go. You know, I know buddies that go waterfowl hunting in North Dakota, and you can have three days limits of ducks. I mean, either way, you've you got to plan for that. If yep. you're going to go on a four- or five-day hunt and your possession limit's only three days' worth of limits or two days' worth of limits, you're going to have to plan on making stuff, cooking stuff, making them into jerky. You're going to have to do something. Yeah, yeah. L- look at the regulations. Um you know, some states separate and identifiable. So we had baggies, Sharpie. We would write, hey, Frank sage grouse, Kyle sage grouse, the date. Um, we would leave a wing on the sage grouse uh, when we, after we got done cleaning it. So you got to know this stuff before yeah. you go out there in case you get checked. Yeah, um, yeah. By, and, by and anybody. An yeah. I mean, we're biologists that work for a state agency. We really don't need to be getting no, no, tickets, no. but right. nobody needs to be getting tickets. It's right. pretty simple. Stay legal and, and, you know, just know the regs, but. And these things are strong tasting. I mean, they're strong smelling. So uh, 
fajitas is a pretty good yeah. good way to use them. Fajitas you, is a good way. Marinate you, them. I mean, if you had to cook this thing like the old-time 1800s cowboys over a spit, yep. oof. It'd be tough. It'd, it'd be rough. They're, it'd be tough, but. I'm not going to lie. They're not the best table no, fare but no, but you, they they you can work at it yep, and, make and it. if you and if you do it right they're good they're yep. they're they're good that you just like like anything else it's like you know shooting a running antelope probably not going to be the best right no nope, got to nope. know how to take care of your meat so um <laughs> these if you prepare them right they're good and um that's what we did yep so so we get through, you know, first night camp. We we have some fajitas. We the wind blows all night. We sleep terrible. That's Cold front came through. Yep, pretty common. Um, it, it, especially at my age. I don't know, I'm not old, but I'm 47. Yeah, you're you old. know, I wake up six or seven times in my own bed, let alone sleeping on a cot. So yeah, flop around a little bit. But hey, we're we're in Wyoming. We're gung ho. So by golly, we're up at dark. You know, oh dark thirty and. And we pack camp up, and uh, little Princess Stella's got to get back in the dog yep. box. Yeah, and, she didn't like that. And uh, we go to where where we saw that family group, and uh, day two, here we go. Yeah, we kicked the dogs out, and and uh, we thought, well, we know within this seep and this drainage is probably a family group of grouse, and maybe a thousand yards up, maybe another family group. We're just going to work this and see how it happens. Maybe it takes us, we walk the whole seat, don't get anything, prepared for that, so off we go. Yep. Right? Yep. Nope. And we, we have a good start. We don't go very far and and we're into birds. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I guess that was the day that, uh, yeah, they were in the bottom of the seat. Yeah. And I mean, this stuff, I'm talking, we're walking the edges of it, but the bottom of the seat is... Well, vegetation's three inches tall. Yeah, three inches <laughs> tall, and it was rocks. Yeah. It was, it was. if we had been looking up, there's a reasonable chance we would have seen them. Yeah, oh, I didn't expect because that. Because we thought, hey, they're going to be on the edges so they can shoot back under a tall sagebrush yeah. when they need to, right? Yeah, so they couple of them pop up out of there, and uh, fortunately, one of them just flies off. The uh, Another one just goes and lands, you yeah. know, and, and uh, my dad's short hair runs right up there and of course i'm running as fast as i can to stay up with and locks up yeah it was a, a nice beautiful point. i was watching it from across the draw and then kyle's dog backed it was beautiful i've seen some points on sage grouse and this was i mean this was a classic upland what what you want for an upland bird hunt with a dog yep, yep. so wham bam get that one killed and and uh, off we go, you know, whoo that was exciting, yeah. and we hadn't been at it 10 minutes. We right. get our first bird up in the air, so off we go, and we continue up this seep, and we hunt a little more, and sure enough, there's, this seep has birds in it. Yeah, and uh, we get into a, a, another family group up there. Yep, I think was that, uh, I guess we shot a, was I that got when a, we shot a double, yep. or was that the next day? Anyway. No, I got a double, you, I got, oh. no, you finished up. That's yeah. You shot another one, and then I went a little bit further and got into a pair and shot. Well, there was more than a pair, but That's I right. got a double on the rise. That's right. I was wham bam done, and yeah. I was going to walk back to the truck and get the GoPro and try to film him. Yeah, he's going to be my cameraman. He's going to yeah, follow me around. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's when you slapped one way out there yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. And that, and we're not. Hey, don't 
don't take us wrong here, we're not encouraging unethical shots or anything, but uh, the any grouse species, um, the range is a little different, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, whether it's sharp tail, we've shot sharp tails, prairie chickens. Um, you'll hear another podcast, hopefully, about prairie chickens. We're going to talk about that. We're going to hunt Nebraska for a, yep. an afternoon and a morning. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But uh, these sage grouse, sharp tails, or any of these open prairie grouse, you got a little more range. Yeah. We're, we're shooting uh, six shot. Yep. Um, you know, heavy heavy loads, yep. fives or sixes, uh, yep. good heavy pheasant loads. Um, but but you can kill a grouse that, uh, you know, you don't shoot a pheasant at 60 yards. No. They're just going to fly yeah. on. They don't care. At 50, 60 yards, you can put a grouse down. Yeah, and, and there, there's something about about them. I've noticed it with, like Kyle said, hunting sharptails and prairie chickens that, you know, you can you can get a little more – you know, a 40-yard shot on a prairie grouse is not unreasonable. And, in fact, common. Yes, a lot common. of them are, are flushing at 35. Yes, so. because they can be spooky in wind. So, yeah. um, And if you if you say, well, I'm not going to take that 35 to 40-yard shot, well, there's going to be days you may not get a shot at a grouse, prairie, a prairie grouse. Absolutely. Um, so, so we uh, had one of those long shots I made and then another one that was fairly close. And so we were done. So... We uh, we spent a little time. We made some some videos that hopefully you'll see on Landon Legacy uh, Instagram or Facebook or however Matt and Adam choose to do it. So we're going to go spend the night in Casper. But before that, we're going to go up the mountain for blue grouse because we've kind of got the search image, and this we have got we've got the time. But the weather starts to change a little bit. A cold front to move through, drop the temperature probably twenty degrees, and it was a light misting rain kind of just barely drizzling where we were at down on the prairie but you could look up the mountain and you could see a little bit more clouds but we thought okay we have time let's let's head up there the roads aren't great so you can't be out there when it's raining or you, you won't get out but we knew based on the just the precipitation level we had we could get up the mountain and, and we could we could get after them yeah so yeah i need a four-wheel drive as we're going deeper into the mountains um which was I don't know, what, 20, 30 minutes from where we're yeah, killing these sage right. grouse, we got to go. But, uh, yeah, if there's going to be any moisture, you're going to need a four-wheel drive. You're not getting out of here. They, they just get greasy on top. Yeah, yeah. And, again, I, I mentioned you're on two tracks and just a lot of not really, even the, even the main roads that, they're not really gravel roads like we think of back home. No, they're, they're just, just a kind of a fine gravelly sand, dirt, yeah, lust, and, and they just get a real slimy grease gumbo, on top. So, and they slide, you lose control, you're back in, just you're done. Yeah. So, so off we go. We we had seen some stuff when we came down the mountain from the the Wisconsin boys going to their spot that they told us to to find these blue grouse. So. We'd made notice of, man, that looks, that's, that's the picture, that's right? It. That, that's that's it. the search image we're after, but we didn't hunt it that day one. So, so we're going to go hunt it day two. We're going to kill these blue grouse. It's game on. We're not playing around anymore. So we buzz up there and, and, uh, well, luck would have it. Yeah, We're absolutely. driving along a coyote squirts out Yep. and starts running down the two track ahead of us. Yep. Just like they always do. And flushes a group of birds. Now, we can't tell. We're a little far away, but they're in the sage, but they're within 
they're fifty. They're thirty-five to forty yards from Aspen, right? Yeah. So, so and conifers. Logic, of course. We're you know we're biologists. We we've got this all figured yeah. out. I mean, yeah. those got to be bluegrass. Yeah. No sagegrass don't belong in the woods. No self-respecting sagegrass is going to be right here next to the trees, right? Right. So, well, we they just kind of go over the crest of a little hump, and we can't tell if they went in the woods, but we know they're in there. They're either just inside the woods or they landed just short. So this is game on. We got, and I I think there was six or seven. So coyote helped us out here. And so we pull up on X maps again, man, there's a private land, public land right here. There's a seam um, of national forest and and private lands. Oh, we're good to go. Mm -hmm. We park right on the line. We're going to hunt back East and, and off we go. Well, we don't go 200 yards, and, and we know we're getting right to where these birds dogs ought to be. Dogs are getting and, a little birdie. Yep, dogs get birdie, and, and uh, I'll be hanged. What? You you step into the middle of, they're yeah. popping up like popcorn. Yeah, sage grouse, just big bombers just flying past me. <laughs> and like, he's, he's already shot his limit, so he's watching them sail away. Yep. But then, oddly enough, there's one blue grouse there's one in this There's one random blue grouse with him. Yeah. So nutty. Anyway, he's out of range, range for Frank. So I end up getting to kill this blue grouse. Yep. So woohoo! We're yeah. oh, it's game on now. Yep. Right, because yep. now we've got this new search image. We're lower on in elevation. Everything's fitting right. And we've got one. We've got one. So I've killed one. All right. That missed the day before is monkey off my. I'm still mad about it. But yeah. But hey, I've got a blue grouse in my hand. Yeah. This is this is exciting and my goodness we've got probably two or three hours of good looking habitat in this spot to walk so we're this is it we figured it out we're gonna kill them well turns out that's not how it works turns out that's not how it works we it it was a it was a light misting rain it was wind probably 15 to 20 miles an hour out of the north and so you put two and two together you can tell the conditions weren't great um cold we were both wet um and in those conditions wet wet air time in, in rainy whether it's a hard rain which we don't hunt in but a misting kind of light rain kyle and i have, have hunted game birds long enough to know those some of the worst conditions to hunt game birds is in the rain they don't move they don't leave a lot of scent they just hunker down a covey quail will sit under a plump thicket and not move well and it seems like they won't even fly i mean unless the dog pinpoints them I mean, they'll let you walk 10 yards yeah. away. Unless the dog points them, they'll just let yeah. you walk right past them when it's... Can, but, you know, hey, we're a long ways from home. We're yeah. not just going to go... Again, I don't really want to stare at Frank. I'm staring at him no, now doing right. this podcast. Yeah. So I don't want to go stare at him in a motel room or in the truck and, and play cards or whatever. Yeah. So, so let's... By let's, God, we're committed. Let's but. continue this walk in the rain. And so that was a double-edged sword because... We, we start doing this and not finding any grouse. And we walk a lot of perfect stuff, and we're like, man, this should be it. This, what's going on? And, and we're, we're thinking, you know, these grouse are, are being seen by elk hunters. Last two elk hunters we talked to some. They're, they're, it's not like they're a, a ghost bird. We're, they're there. They should be fairly abundant. But we're not seeing anything. And we walked a ton of aspen stringers and up and down hills and aspen stringers. But we have in the back of our mind, it's raining. What if they're popped up in the trees and they're not moving? What if we're walking by them and they're not flushing? So we thought, okay, maybe we're doing it right, but the conditions are bad. So at about 
one o'clock, two o'clock, we decided, okay, we're wet. We're going to take off while we can still get out of this place because we were way back up in the mountains and it was starting to get greasy. Let's get out of here, head to Casper, get in our room, and then we're going to attack blue grouse tomorrow. So off to Casper we head. We get to Casper. We thought, okay, we're here. We just drive by the Game and Fish Department office, and on a whim we decide to whip in there and, and talk to the biologist there. We talked to the regional supervisor Talked to him about blue grouse, like, hey, what are we doing this right? Are we doing this wrong? What's going on? He says, I'll tell you what, I got a place closer to town, closer to Casper, that has blue grouse. We've been doing some, some work up, some habitat work up there. Um, it's up on this place called Casper Mountain. Um, showed us right on the Onyx where to go. And so we look at each other. This is probably three o'clock. We think, well, do we go to the room and, and, Maybe rest up a little bit, hit it fresh in the morning, and then we say, no, nah, we're going up Casper Mountain. We're going to at least look at it, if nothing else. And, and, and remember, it's cloudy. It's, it's, it's foggy. You, you, you could see maybe 100 yards, yeah, probably. Horrible conditions. So we get up there. We walk a place that he showed us to walk. Uh, it was a nightmare. More about that later, but it was just so steep. It, it was just steep. it was a unwalkable. It was probably had grouse in it, but it was unwalkable. unwalkable. So we, we we do some scouting, then we head back to to Casper, and then we 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 get a good night's sleep, then we head back up the next morning because we were going to hunt some other places that we had seen the night before, and um, so we as we were driving, we saw these elk hunters from Tennessee coming down the road. So I flashed them to. Not, uh, I flashed my lights. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't yeah. need you no, flashing no, no. anything. Don't, don't need that. No, no, no. So I flashed my lights, jerk, and, and got him to stop. And uh, he said, hey, have you been seeing any blue grouse? And they said, well, um, they didn't really know what a, a blue grouse was. I mean, they, they had seen some grouse-like birds they, they had saw or when they were hunting. And then they said, well, I'll tell you what. We've been seeing some grouse kind of out in the open in the sage, but I think it's sage grouse because they're kind of walking around the open so we say okay um thanks and then we leave and then well they wave us down right yeah so so we're going the same direction we'd seen some stuff we wanted to hunt and, and they flag us down nice nice of them to do that because and, and, super nice guys i was talking to them and, and they said uh, well we think we're seeing sage grouse well they told me they're cow elk hunting and i said you're seeing sage grouse because yeah, it doesn't were, doesn't add up, I right? Mean, they you, were at we were at eight thousand feet. Yeah, um, it didn't not add up in my head. And I said, "Well, if, are these birds around the woods?" And there's well, no. I mean, kind of out in the open. And anyway, so that's how the first conversation happened. Well, we we don't go two hundred yards down the road, and they flag us down. I, I get back out and truck, and and the guy says, "Hey, we got to thinking. You said if they're around the woods, those are blue grouse." Yeah. They said, we watched some. We thought they looked like the size of baby turkeys and mm -hmm. turkey poults. And, yep, yep. Well, we were sitting watching a, a, a big open field and watched some walk record. We just thought they were sage. And I said, nope, those are blue grouse. And they said, yeah, they walked right into the timber. Yep. Absolutely. Those, that's what we're after. Yep. So game changer here. You know, the, the regional supervisor had sent us to this general area. Yes. But now we've got intel. So once again... You know, don't be afraid to talk to people oh, that are around. Right. Absolutely. This is great stuff. And, in fact, it, it's almost puzzling. We had some 
uh, a dad that had a couple kids that yep. were sage grouse hunting. Yep, on the last day we were there. We're sitting there celebrating our third day's limit, which we haven't even talked about yet, you know, and, and we're off to the side of a two-track, and, and they drive right by and don't even roll yeah, down the window and talk to yeah. us. Now, why would you not? Because we could have put them on some birds. Yeah, yeah. We, we had we we had just finished limits and knew where some birds were. We had spots that we we knew where birds were that we didn't hunt because yeah. we didn't we didn't have enough limit bag limit to get to them. Yeah, and they've got you know a dog box and and they drive right past us. Don't even I mean they drive past us ten miles an hour. Yeah. Don't even roll down the window and talk to us. Ask us, so, man, don't be afraid to take the opportunity to to ask and get some intel. But so we get this intel. These guys say, yep, we watched some of them walk right across, three of them walk right across this open field. Never did see a cow elk, unfortunately for yeah. them. But so here we go. And yeah, we're at 7,900 feet at this point. Yep. And it is blowing 40 oh, yeah. miles yeah, an hour it's, and it's, it's 45 degrees. Yeah, it is cold. It is, it is windy. It I is. had a sock hat on and a coat. You had a coat on and a hood, gloves. And brutal so it was brutal and then we look we get there and we look and it's and it's straight up and down but we go after it um head down this seam we're not hunting 20 minutes blue grouse gets up i get my blue grouse yeah i'm high-fiving i think okay we got this now. actually i whiff at the blue grouse you whiff you miss thank goodness yes because then he kills it yes. he's with the follow-up shot because if i had killed it uh, turns out, yeah, this is the only blue grouse Frank kills, yes. and the one I kill on day two was the only one yes. I kill. So, um, so we walk, we, but we think we've got it figured out. Oh so yeah, we game on. So we walk down this mountain with the understanding that we have to walk back up, but it's great looking habitat. We're here. We may never be in this spot again in our lives. Let's do it. And I guarantee you, I will never again be in that spot in my life <laughs> because I won't go back. Oh. Uh, it was, it was, it was, I don't know how to tell percent grade. It was just steep. It was no air. It was rough. Yeah. High altitude. Yeah. And with the wind blowing, you know, uh, yeah, you just can't catch your breath. You just, we walk because we were walking rough. all the way into the wind on the way back to the truck. It was a, we flushed some grouse. They got up wild. Um, yeah, we ended up. Dad's dog had a nice point, but unfortunately, he's it was so windy. he's eighty yards from us. Yeah, and we're scurrying over there, and of course, they blow up. And I mean, he didn't pounce on them. He no, did his job, no. but they blow up. They and, catch the wind, and, and they're oh yeah. I don't. Gone. They they may still be flying the way those things <laughs> got the wind. So we we come out of there. Um, we decide this is probably the worst idea we've ever had so we stop and we eat lunch we walk another couple of spots and we think okay we've done the bluegrass thing uh, we're done right yeah, yeah. we're both beat we're yeah, both, we've yeah. been walking up side subs we're done so we eat lunch and we head back to 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 our, our sage grass spot a couple things if you're an elk hunter or hunting big game out west, and you're in the mountains, and you think, well, these idiots, we eat camp meat full of grouse. That's what we eat for camp meat. We shoot them out of the tree with a bow. We eat grouse yeah. camp. Everybody, the elk hunters talk about the abundant blue grouse, shooting them out of a tree with a bow, camp meat, uh, no big deal. couple things. 
we were on the very eastern range of the blue grouse in Wyoming. Yeah. Maybe the very eastern range of blue grouse in the country. That's what the regional biologist told yeah. us. Hey, you're, there's a lot better places to do yeah. this. We've got them. They're not too abundant. They're an opportunity. While you're here, while, I mean, why not? Well, yeah, We're what here. else are we going to do? We yeah. killed our sage grouse. I don't want to look grouse. at you. You don't want to look at me. Right, right. Let's go after these. So, lest you hear this and think, well, these, why can't these morons kill blue grouse? They're easy. Well, Couple, we were on the very eastern end of the range. Population was down. They had a, a yes. wet, wet, cold spring. Population yes. was down. Low densities all around. So in our defense, <laughs> that's what we're claiming anyway. Yeah, and, and since our buddy was here, so once they figured them out, they actually the last day killed limits. Three of them killed nine of these blue grouse. No problem. Well, that was five or six years ago. So according to the regional biologist, hey, yeah. Bird numbers are not good. And in fact, to the point of, he said, you may get into a brood of five or ten birds in a stringer of aspen, and it may be five stringers of aspen to the east before you find the next brood. Yeah, and, and these you aren't know. just the next draw. I mean, they may no, be. No, it may be five miles yeah. away. So, you know, when bird numbers are good, they're in every aspen stringer, and when they're not, they're yeah. not. So... We just happened to hit it wrong, you know, but but we both got one kill. We both kill, got our blue grouse. Checked it off the list, the life my, list. I got my grandpa his grouse that I promised him on the way out here. So <laughs> Yeah, I was going to have to feed his grandpa yeah. my grouse. Which yeah, was I already a, claimed it. That was a bunch of baloney. I wasn't going to get it. to eat it. So anyway, we do a reverse. So this is day three, you know, this is it. This we're, is the last day we're, we're going to be in Wyoming. We're leaving, so... Uh, all right, we finally punt and said, hey, the rain is, it rained all night, but hey, the wind's blowing like this. The roads have probably dried out. So we say, we're going to do a reverse hunt. Let's roll back. We got to go south anyway. Yeah, we're going home. Which we're going right through our sage grouse spot. So we roll back to our sage grouse spot and, uh, and we go out, you know, we, we find another seep. And, and so we're we, thinking, don't interrupt you, but we're thinking, no. okay, uh, we're hunting seeps in the morning. We found them. These birds aren't making long-range movements from a seep way out and then coming back the next morning. They're yeah. probably around there somewhere. So we just say, what better do we know than just let's just find yeah. a seep and let's go after it. Right. right. So we've been there two days, and we haven't seen just sage-grouse flying around trading yeah. spots. No, no, no. Right. Um, so... Uh, math in our head says these birds are going to be within yeah they can't be more than a few hundred yards yeah. of these the seats bi right the biologist in us knows that these birds have all the resources that they need why waste resources flying somewhere else so to you know to be up in the prairie in the middle of the afternoon let's stay around the seep so we just did our morning tactic in the afternoon yeah the seeps and it works out we yeah. we have a successful hunt uh i think we we shoot a double um, we each kill one on yep. the first flush uh, and had a nice point. Again, yep. Dad's Dad's short hair, he, he's done all the work here for some reason, but he, he covers about three times more ground yep. than all the other dogs. But yep. Made a nice point. We got a double on that point. Yep. Wish we'd had the, the camera rolling for that because we get a great point. Bam, bam, we shoot a double, and, and we don't walk another, I don't know, a couple hundred yards, and Frank finishes out with a nice Yep. Nice kill and and, uh, and so at this point I'm done. So I go back to the truck and then I drop. Giles has dropped me off on this one seam and 
pick me up at the other end. So that's what I did. I was leaning back, taking a nap in the truck, and was going to pick him up when he got done walking the seam. And he was almost within shooting range of the truck when his last grouse. Yeah, so up. I probably walked, uh, you know, I don't know, another mile or so and uh, on another on a piece of a seep. And, and yeah, I'm probably the last 50, 100 yards from from quitting on this spot and and up jumps a nice hen in fact it's the nicest one that i killed this whole trip yeah um, and i'm gonna try to i'm a i'm a rookie tax bird taxidermist so i'm gonna yeah. try to do a dead mount with this yeah. bird he did a pheasant for me it turned out good surprisingly good i was <laughs> surprising yeah so anyway that was the end of of it so um Turned out it was a good thing we had fajitas that first night because yes, yes. we needed to relieve some room. I mean, we killed three days worth of yeah. uh, sage grouse limits, and um, we didn't want to be over our possession limit. So, and we're not. We we're coming home with with four sage grouse apiece, and mm -hmm. we each got the coveted blue grouse. We each got our blue grouse. Ah uh, man, yeah. If you want to hunt blue grouse. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not bagging on Eastern Wyoming, but go to Colorado or there's Western Wyoming. Go, yeah. go further west. Go to into the Rocky Mountains, not the Laramie Hills. There, there's there's better places yeah, to do there, it, and people talk about killing limits and yeah. Um, but anyway, I mean man, it was fun. I, I mean even you know, hunting oh, yeah, on that mountain yeah. was fun. And, was, and and again, we had nothing else to do yeah. all afternoon. So either you're going to go try to find prairie dog towns or do something else. Yeah. Um, but anyway wrap it up man what a great yeah, trip it was absolutely phenomenal trip we saw so much wildlife the west is so great um, yep. we were in great habitat public land it's amazing that this land is available for everyone to hunt this this bird lives on private land too but some of the best populations of sage grouse in the world are on public land blm land and, and that's where we exclusively killed these birds so a lot of public, just just a just a fantastic hunt. Yep, had a great time. Hey, do your homework before any trip like this. Cannot recommend any more. I mean, yeah. Onyx Maps is. I cannot tell you how valuable that was. So, yes, use that, was, that stuff. I don't care if you're mule deer hunting out here or you're antelope yeah. hunting. If you're going anywhere, but particularly out west, this Onyx Maps yeah, is a game changer. It was great. Do um, your do your preseason scouting, whether yep. it's, and it's probably going to be from a distance, but you can call the biologists, yep. you can call locals, you can look on aerial photos, whether it's on Onyx or Google, whatever. Look for these seeps, look for these habitat changes, save yourself some time, and can't recommend enough sage-grouse hunting. It's a, it's a species yep. that is Iconic bird of the West, the biggest grouse in North America. Um, excellent sport, a wonderful time. I can't recommend it enough. Yep, I had a great time. Um, really enjoyed it. Um, it was great to always enjoy hunting trips with Frank anyway. Yep. Um, but, man, we're we're just fortunate to have families that let us do this kind of stuff and support us. Yeah, absolutely. My wife is really is really great about, yep. about supporting my hunting passion so. mine too and and to be able to take a few days off of work and come do this gosh what a what a wonderful trip and yep. i'll remember this for for the rest of my life yep so we are we're going to sign off we've got some nebraska prairie chicken hunting ahead of us and we'll probably be back on doing a podcast about that but yep. um thanks guys for for sticking with us and and we'll see you next time
Yep. <laughs>